Welcome to Call Jeshurun, a podcast from Congregation B'nai Jeshurun, a vibrant and flourishing Reformed Jewish community in Short Hills, New Jersey. Welcome. I am Rabbi Matthew Gewertz. Call Jeshurun is where you can come to engage with teachings of relevant wisdom and music. You will hear from our clergy, staff, and guest speakers who will help bring meaning into a world that so badly needs it. If you would like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at tbj.org. Welcome back, everyone. This is Rabbi Matthew Gewertz. I'm here with Rabbi Karen Perlman, and our guest this week for Call Jeshurun, our podcast, is Erica Keswin. Erica is a workplace strategist who has worked for the past 20 years with some of the most iconic brands in the world as a consultant, speaker, author, and professional dot connector. She is the author of Bring Your Human to Work, 10 Surefire Ways to Design a Workplace That's Good for People, Great for Business, and Just Might Change the World, which came out in 2018. And just a quick two and a half years later, although I'm sure it didn't feel quick for her, but for the rest of us comes her second book called Rituals Roadmap, The Human Way to Transform Everyday Routines into Workplace Magic, and it was just published this past week. Erica's work and insights can be seen in varied media outlets, including Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Huffington Post, O Magazine, Entrepreneur, Better Homes and Gardens, and I can go on with so many more. She's been all over television this past week, will continue to be, so keep on looking. Uh, Good Morning America, Alicia Menendez's show. She was named one of Marshall Goldsmith's top 100 coaches in 2020. Erica is married to Jeff Keswin, and they have three outstanding children, Julie and Caroline, who, believe it or not, are turning 18 years old in the next uh, couple of weeks, and uh, Daniel, who's right behind them. They reside on the Upper West Side, and uh, if you can't tell by my enthusiasm, she is my sister-in-law. She is Lauren's sister, and um, as uh, Jeff, her husband, and I like to joke, and we are lucky that she spends time talking to me at all because she usually talks Uh, to my wife. And uh, it's funny, uh, Erica, just uh, two weeks ago, my younger sister was our guest speaker with her husband, Bruce. And now, of course, you're here. So we keep it all in the family. But when you have rock stars for family, it's very easy. Uh, It's my pleasure on behalf of Karen and the community, Erica, to welcome you to Call Jeshurun. Welcome. Thank you. This is so exciting. Yeah, really, what an exciting week for you. Uh, Lauren and I were, of course, on your book launch the other night. So many people and such important work. And and what keeps us bringing you back, besides the fact that we personally care and love you, is that you're doing work that really intersects not just with the workplace, but with the synagogue. After all, religious life is defined by ritual. It's roadmap. Uh, It's point to point. It's the ritual. So why don't you start from your vantage point to explain to us what ritual is? So... The way that I talk about ritual and the way that I define it in the book is it has two parts. You know, one is that a ritual is something to which we assign meaning and a value in our life. It's something that tends to happen with, with the cadence. You know, there's repetition around it. So it could be something that we do once a day, once a week, once a year. You know, think of a holiday that we celebrate or Hanukkah, you know, the eight nights of Hanukkah. But the second part of the definition was something that I hadn't realized until I started getting deeper into the work, which is a ritual is something that goes beyond its practical purpose. And so an example that brought it home for me um, that I'll share with you and your listeners is that, you know, let's say right now I'm in my apartment in New York City and the lights go out and I light a candle. 
you know, that's not a ritual. But if I light a candle every Friday as the sun is going down to signify the end of the work week and the beginning of the weekend, and I do it religiously, no pun intended, every Friday, that's a ritual. And so those two things together are the way that I think about rituals in my life, at work, at home, and in the book. So what's the difference between, you know, you were using the pun wisely in terms of religiously, but what's the difference between ritually and habitually? Ritual and habit, how do you differentiate? To me, it's something, it's around that first part of the definition where you assign that level of, of meaning. So a personal example, you know, one of my rituals is I go to Starbucks every day for coffee. And that's something that started out more as a habit, you know, more as just routine. I would get up and have my cup of coffee. And I would, pre-pandemic, I would go to Starbucks and sit down at my little table and I would have my notebook and crank through some work and feel pretty good at the end of it. One day I realized that I hadn't even tasted the coffee, which, you know, your, your wife, my sister is similar, that we both really like that morning cup of coffee. I will admit to even thinking about it sometimes the night before when I'm going to bed. So one day I was at Starbucks and it hit me that I was sitting there doing what I do as a habit every day. And many people have caffeine or have coffee as a habit, but I didn't even taste it. And in that moment, I made this transition um, where it went from being a habit to a ritual where I stop, I actually feel the coffee and feel the heat of the cup on my hands, take a few deep breaths, feel it going through my my system, um, my body. And rituals can also be very, they're, they're very closely associated with our senses, or they can be what we see, what we smell, what we hear and, and taste and feel. And so for me now, going into Starbucks and getting that cup of coffee, it's almost this elevation of that activity, which is why I call the book, the subtitle is how rituals can transform an everyday routine or a habit into magic. There's almost this transcendence. And, you know, that might seem crazy as it relates to a cup of coffee, but even today, like I got it. And instead of just drinking it, there's that pause, there's that moment, it calms me, you know, rituals ground us. They give us some order out of chaos. And, you know, it's especially during these turbulent times, it's something that I have personally found comfort in. So, Karen, before you jump in, because I know you want to, because the only person I know who loves coffee more than my wife and her sister Erica <laughs> is Karen. And so transcendence is a word that rabbis love. So I love that you use that word. Let me just ask you as a sort of a one word answer. Would you say the difference between the two is that a habit is mindless and a ritual is intentional? A hundred percent. So, um, Erica, you talked about rituals during turbulent times, and I don't think we have a better example of that than right now. I know that you finished the book during the pandemic, and can you talk a little bit about the rituals that have helped sort of ground you during this turbulent time? So I, I handed in the manuscript for the book on March 30th, two weeks into our family quarantine in Connecticut. And on the one hand, I kept thinking to myself, what on earth? I mean, you know, Matthew, you've written a book. I mean, you know, you start working on these things years before it comes out. So there was the part of me that thought, what now? The positive part is that I had some time to go back and one, experience 
rituals for a little bit before I had to do my final edits and also circle back to a lot of people in the book who, you know, were face to face and all of a sudden were home to see how they were kind of changing and, and adapting their rituals. The first example that really came to me when you asked that question, Karen, was we started quarantining, I'll never forget it, on a Thursday. And a couple of days later on Tuesday, I said to myself, I was like, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna have Taco Tuesday for dinner. And you know, it's probably what we had in the house. I'm not such a great cook, it's easy to make. And we made it and the kids came down to dinner. And this is, this is where I really saw some of the power around rituals during turbulent times in that moment. Now, my kids are 17, 17, and 15. They're not little kids. But those initial days were scary. I mean, these were the days we were still wiping off our groceries. Um, you know, my mom was very sick, and we were trying to see if we could visit her. And, you know, as you all know, she subsequently passed away. Like, things were kind of insane and scary for everyone. And... They come to the kitchen, we sit down at the table, and you could smell the same smell of the same meal that we always have on Tuesday. And I felt and I saw with everybody in the family almost like this collective exhale, that the shoulders went down, that you know, rituals give us a sense of psychological safety and belonging. And I saw it firsthand in that moment. And from that moment on, and I was lucky I was able to write that last chapter, which is all about rituals in turbulent times, which I'm so thankful I had time in this publishing process to sneak it in because I think it really brings it full circle. So I would say what I tried to do was number one, think about the rituals in my life that I could maintain because that gave me a sense of normalcy in this crazy time. You know, I, I do Pilates every Tuesday with the same friend at 8 a.m. And even though I could have done it any time during the day, we kept it at 8 a.m. So it's a combination of maintaining the old and thinking about what new rituals can we create. Um, I feel like the, the, you know, the hashtag silver lining was you know, a little overused at the time, but there were some, and many of us were able to create you know, some, some new rituals as well. Erica, can I, I just want to follow up and ask, how do you recommend someone starts a ritual? How do you get to the point where Taco Tuesday means something if you don't have that established? And I, I want to add on to that. This is going to be the part two that's harder for people who don't have kids upstairs to come down to, meaning people who are isolated during COVID as well. Yeah. You know, when, I, when I think about the pandemic, I mean, it, this pandemic's happening to all of us, but it's happening to all of us in very different ways. And I've heard many stories of people that live alone feeling unbelievable loneliness. And I've also heard stories of people that are living with five people who feel so isolated and lonely. So it's been really interesting to think about rituals you know, really across the board for all ages and all different people. One of the chapters in the book is called Designing Your Own Rituals Roadmap. And the idea behind it is you know, for people to think about a day in their life and where are their opportunities for rituals, regardless of their individual situation, whether they have kids, whether they're taking care of elderly parents, whether they go, you know, whether they work outside the home or in the home. And think about it from, you know, the personal perspective is a day in your life, rituals in the morning, rituals over a meal, rituals around taking a break, 
rituals to signify the transition from work to home when we're only moving from one room to the next, which is a huge one. People are developing these faux commutes because they realize even though they hated commuting, they miss the 25 minutes where they listen to the podcast or, you know, they missed having a few minutes to just breathe, you know, when they left the house. So those are real opportunities. What I like to do is actually layer on top of that, this question of, does my calendar reflect my values? How am I spending my time? What's important to me right now? And one of the things that I realized personally was that, you know, I don't live alone. You know, I'm with the kids and my husband is here. I'm but I realized when I asked myself this, does my calendar reflect my values, that I really was feeling a loss of, of friends and my specifically my girlfriends. Um, I'm a big organizer of girls trips and weekends. And so when I looked at my calendar, especially leading up to the new year, um, you know, I had made it a goal. And actually, I probably started it a few months before this and build making sure that I build in time as a ritual to go for a walk outside with a friend. I have one friend that she's in one state, I'm in another, and we both go outside and call each other. And that has become a ritual. And so it's Matthew, it's what you said. It's cheesy as it is, left to our own devices, we're not connecting. And so, you know, make it a ritual and think about what's important to you. And that's whether you live alone or whether you live with a lot of different people, you still might be feeling stress and isolation. But you wrote this book because you also think that companies' bottom lines are affected by their inculcating rituals or not. How and why is that true? So I'm a big, big proponent of looking at the data and the science. Being someone that's worked in the human capital space, I had many, many years of too many people looking at this work, that it was the touchy-feely stuff. Um, and one of the things that I truly believe, and, and luckily more people are getting it now with this pandemic, that the soft stuff really is the hard stuff and can really be the important stuff. And so as part of the book, I took all of the data and the science that I found around rituals and tried to put it into an equation that, that helps simplify it. And it's called the three Ps of rituals. So what do rituals give us? The first P is psychological safety. They give us that sense of connection and belonging. And we need that at work more than ever. Um, there's a, such a big focus on diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And if you don't feel like you can bring your full self and feel that sense of safety, you're not gonna give your best ideas. You're not gonna show up and give 110%. I mean, the data is clear. The second P is purpose. That rituals give us an opportunity to connect to, to purpose. And when we have meetings, when we have professional development, when we celebrate milestones, every one of those stops along the, the company roadmap. I looked at it from the perspective of the employee experience. Those are opportunities to remind people and connect them back to the values. This is why we do what we do every day and this is why it matters. If you add those two together, psychological and safety and purpose, you get the third P, which is performance. So on a personal level, when we have rituals, our stress, our cortisol goes down and our oxytocin, our feel-good hormone goes up that we get when we feel connection. But from a bottom line perspective, there's so many studies, but just two that you know I can share quickly. You know, one found that that people that work for high trust organizations where they do feel that psychological safety are 47% more collaborative and productivity goes up by 50% 
which makes sense when you think about it, but it, it was just amazing to have the data to support it. So Erica, you're talking to two rabbis here, and so we, we can't help but ask you about a Jewish ritual. So I'm wondering when you were think, writing this book or, you know, what's a Jewish ritual that, that you've connected to or your family's connected to? And, um, and I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. So when I said earlier that, you know, rituals are often connected to our senses, you know, similar to the Taco Tuesday, as most people would know, or now they know, because I said it before, I don't really, I'm not a great cook. My sister got the cooking genes um, in the family, but I do make brisket. And whenever I come out to New Jersey for holidays, and you've been there on many of them, I, uh, I bring my brisket, sort of my, my signature and really sort of my only thing I, I like to cook that's good. So that is our Jewish ritual that when we have Shabbat and, you know, it's one of the things I really miss having friends over on Fridays and, and having that brisket and my kids don't seem to ever get sick of it. Again, it's that smell in the kitchen that it's Friday, we're going to have some time to decompress. And, you know, it's something where it, it goes back to the definition of the ritual. You know, it's dinner, right? We're having Shabbat dinner, but it's, more than a dinner, it has meaning and it has this sense of elevation. It happens, you know, repetitively. And, um, and to me, that, that's what really does bring it all together. This is like a serious, you know, argument in our house because our kids actually like the aunt's brisket better than her mother. So uh, <laughs> that's the only reason they want to see Erica on, on the holidays. So she walks in without a brisket. The cousins are all out in, but not the aunt. But, which, you know, I, I joke about this, but, you know, I, I do associate that actually, that the smells and the sounds and the and the sights are really our rituals from our childhoods that um, ground us. And it, it actually, during COVID, I found that having those recipes without the people have been hard, but have also been somewhat nourishing counterintuitively. It's yeah. just interesting. It, show, it shows also the, that you said you used the word transcendence, so the transcendent quality of what rituals can do for us, the way they, they lead us. What's really fascinating about this book is that, you know, we just touched at the end, return on investment, which obviously you've written this book for that world. But what this is also saying to the people who live in a world of constantly wanting to dig into an inner life is that rituals transcend the workplace to the synagogue, to the home, to the baseball field, to the hockey rink, all, all the places we go. And uh, the difference between being mindless and habitual and being intentional and uh, ritualistic, if you will, um, is a really important distinction to make. And, and I feel so proud that you're my sister-in-law and that you're making this happen. And uh, we feel so happy to be able to be promoting this book for such good reason. Folks, I want to give you the name again, Rituals Roadmap, The Human Way to Transform Everyday Routines into Workplace Magic. It was just published this week, McGraw-Hill, and uh, you can get it on Amazon. We also have uh, about 40 of them now, which we originally thought we'd be in person and Eric would be signing them. But I promise you this, that if you want to purchase one, we will make sure that there's an inscription there for you from someone who's really talented and really proud to call my sister. Erica Keswin, thank you so much. We wish you such luck with the book and we know it's going to be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to this edition of Call Jeshurun. If you would like to learn more, visit our website at tbj.org and follow us on social media for updates on all our upcoming opportunities for engagement. We really hope to see you soon.